Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Baltic Sunday special on the Fight Lab Feast Network. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the water boy, and this is Executive Director David Goodwin from Association of Christian Classical Schools. I think it's Classical Christian Schools, but that's all right. And it's there. <laughs> uh, Battle for the American Mind. We're going to be talking about that with him here coming yes. up in the next segment. So you want to stick around for that. For the next two segments. Yep. Yeah. Next two. So we're going to be in Arizona. As you know, tickets are live. we got less than a week to buy tickets. We're going to be in Arizona uh, next Thursday for a live show with right. Delano Squires. Um, Jeff, Durbin. Jeff Durbin, yes, who's killing it right now with the uh, yeah. ending abortion HB in Louisiana, HB thirteen Louisiana, yeah. which is actually um, all those results should be by Come, tonight. Yeah, coming um, in, yeah. coming in, very good. And also, don't forget, Bobo Construction is a fourth generation family owned general contractor that was founded back in nineteen fifty two. Their motto is, you know it by now, you've been listening. Whatever is fair and right, that's what we do. <laughs> the Bobo Construction headquarters is in Sacramento County, California, and they're defying the vaccine mandates. They don't care. Bobo Construction has recently expanded into Idaho and Eastern Washington with offices in Meridian and Coeur d'Alene and is in search of potential partners to wage war on tyranny with. For instance, Bobo Construction has recently partnered with Building God's Way Architects as their exclusive builder in Idaho. That's Christians fun. need to build out a Christian economy like this. So here's your chance. You can also contact Austin Bobo directly at A. Bobo, just like it sounds, B-O-B-O, -B -O, at boboconstructioninc.com or call him 208-789-0995 or you can learn more about Bobo Construction by visiting them at their website, Bobo constructioninc.com um we just not you're just not gonna talk about it what you, you, all this announcement we've been talking about you ain't gonna say nothing what's oh. happening on the 30th oh i bet yeah okay that's good um <laughs> so we need to do a little network update we actually should put maybe some sort of audio yeah, you, commercial think so. you know something yeah, like that maybe. yeah i said on water break uh, on thursday oh it, you only it, you only announced it on the water break and my daily news brief um, uh, May 30th, we're going to be going to a daily show yes. here at Cross Politic. It's going to be dropping. So it's going to be your nightly news. Yes. A every day at six o'clock, we're going to drop a live episode. Of course, that'll um, also go into the podcast feed. Um, our goal is um, we've been wanting to do this for years, and now we've gotten to the place where we're Chuck, structurally. Chuck, Chuck Knox has been wanting to do this. For yeah, years. I have. I know. And he, yeah. it's, it's, I like chewing he glass. He finally won the argument, and and we're going to go to a nightly news show. Um, yeah. Basically, May every 30th. day, May thirtieth. So be praying for us. It is. Yes. It's a lot of work. And yes, and we, we we could we could use some club member support. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to do this. That's right. More, That's more right. consistently. You know. So 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 <laughs> club member support. Um, uh, show up to our our live events That's and then right. send us a bottle of scotch for all, all right, this work that's right. going on here whoa, whoa. <laughs> we'll take all of it uh, with that said thank you for remembering that Gabe I, I want you to brace yourself because joy read clips are coming <laughs> I know it might be hard to believe but it might be worth it in the end. Joy I Reed. I can't believe you're doing this to us. You're going to make us watch Joy Reed. I have to do it for work. So Joy Reed, like almost every other liberal, has had at least two resuscitations since the leaked opinion from Alito <laughs> that the Supreme Court was looking to overturn Roe v. Wade. I see what you did there. Two shows this past week let me um, probably try and get more hair from up here, down here, and left me befuddled. Uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, I watch every news source and I'm seeking to understand different positions and hear other people outside of my own echo chamber. So this is not new for me. So I want to take people as a word and I want to understand them, even with I even if I disagree with them. I want to take their arguments seriously. And I think through their arguments and I reach a logical conclusion in search of truth. That's what I do. I'm, mm. I don't have a, a problem doing that. But part of the way that we do that is through words that have meanings and are defined, definitions. It's getting harder. Used in a way that makes sense and that are logical. Oh boy, yes. You, you know that's white supremacy. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> and you're, I'm gonna punish you with a couple clips. Colonizing. So, so I go over to MSNBC to give Joy Reid a try, wondering what her deep arguments might be that she's making for abortion. There's a reason why we don't see sperm regulation legislation. There's a reason why we don't wow. see mandated vasectomies. You know, the very idea that we would take away men's bodily autonomy, it's outrageous, like it's unfathomable. You know, wow. but truthfully, sperm are busy. 
It's busy. Who's regulating that? Who's saying something about it? I didn't see the senator say anything about that. Where is that legislation? And, and it, there will never be that. Um, especially if it's up to them because they don't see that as something that's needed because it's about control and it's not about children. <laughs> I don't what? even know. Why do you do that to how, me? How to interact with that. <laughs> this was the only thing that came to mind after I watched that clip. Okay. What you just said <laughs> is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's Dad, even better to watch. We've been was, playing that stinger for like three years. Yes, but it was it was necessary for the visual. Wow. Everybody in this room is now dumber. Is now dumber. For what you just said. I know, and and it might even get worse than that. I don't think they know anything of what a fallacy is over there. You might need to go and give them a little bit of education. But wait, there's actually more. Oh, no. 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 Here is Joy Reid's big, big criticism of the right right now. And, and the, the reality is, is that this movement grew out of a deeply segregationist movement and then belatedly latched onto abortion because it was better PR, to be blunt. Oh. Um, what does it mean that the victims um, of this ruling are going to be disproportionately the very same people who were subject to segregation, uh, the black and brown folks, indigenous people, the people who've been you know, beaten down um, over the course of the history that they no longer want us to learn? This is a super minority position, which is being imposed essentially by Christian nationalists, five Christian nationalists on the court. Does it hit even differently to know that this has grown out of this essentially segregation movement? Well, I'm going to tell you what hits differently. It hits differently when a black woman is the head of Planned Parenthood. That's what hits differently, just for the record. Because she's, she's the head of Planned Parenthood. That's this the head guy of right here. Right there. Oh, that's right. right. That's, that's right. That's, that's, yeah. oh. So now, now, if words mean something like segregationalist, white, racist, Christian nationalist, and I assume they do, then I know that they don't mean black human flourishing. If those words mean anything, they don't mean black human flourishing. Right. That's right. right. And, and yet, these white racist Christian nationalist segregationalists are the ones fighting for more black babies to live. <laughs> this, this just doesn't pass a grammatical right. test at all. Yep. It's just all off, let alone a logical one. You, you know you have to be educated by a certain type of system that trains the common sense out of people <laughs> for the last 150 years or so for this to even make sense to you. Yeah. you know, I, I don't know how racist White Christian nationalists are doing more for black people by keeping them alive. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, I'm sorry. No, they're doing worse for black people by keeping them alive and let them flourish as human beings. Yeah. And that's the bad part of it. Yeah. I, I can't even go to the argument because the sentence structure, the, the definitions <laughs> and the words. It just don't work. Are, are non- it's just like it's like her sentence had a schizophrenic attack right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, I can't right. understand what she means by this because if either either white, racist, Christian, segregational nationalists want to see more black human flourishing and, and that white, racist, Christian nationalism doesn't mean anything at all then. Yeah. So then why use it? To, I just don't yeah. get it. And it doesn't well, make any and, sense to me. And if anything, you can, she tried to draw a, a, a line between um, the slave owners of the South right. And those segregationalists, those, yeah. those pro-lifers of today, right. right? But if anything, you could draw a line between maybe maybe the abolitionists of of the South or, or the North, and who wanted to stop uh, slavery, and the abolitionists of of the pro-life movement. Well, how do you argue with this, though? Right. Uh, you, well, you can't. D- David, can you help Knox out at all? I mean, I'm looking what, at you. I mean, you're the head of an education association. I mean, logic, just, rhetoric. I mean, is there anything you can do you know, to help I, him? All I can say is they spend a lot of time and money on the school system, so they're getting their due. I mean, they're oh. getting out of it. What they, you know, they yeah. they spend money on this thing. Right. It's been 150 to- years of. Hard spent cash to get people not to think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't help you. That didn't help no, you? And no, because now I'm trying to figure out how do I communicate with people who don't understand how to make a logical argument. Yeah. So I think part of, part of the thing to recognize is, so their worldview is such that 
they they have they have so narrowed what it means to be free to basically uh, a woman being able to have sex with whoever she wants to apparently compulsively because mm-hmm. pregnancy apparently just happens. We don't really know how that happens. It's I mean, no, 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 notice that the conception of children has, they they laid that right alongside um, sperm. Yep. Right. As, it's as just if, chemicals. As if those were two different, if those are analogous things. But no, the, the analogous thing would be a woman's ovaries and eggs. Yeah. That's prior to any sexual act. Right. Um, but they've, so they're, the, the categories are mixed. But then, yep. then the, the key <laughs> mixed. Thing, yeah, well, you know. Um, at, at any rate, the, the other thing, though, is, is they, they believe that a woman's freedom is in her being able to be in the workplace. To be, yep. to, and and that's, the, that's, the whole, that's the whole point here. Is they're, they're saying if a woman doesn't have the absolute freedom to constantly, apparently, have sex, conceive children, kill them so mm-hmm. that she can go back to work immediately and be in work just as long with as many hours uh, for a job that is, is um, apparently, that's, that, that's their idea of human flourishing. I and, think, I, and they're saying you're trying to stop that kind of human flourishing. I'm just trying my best to give some meaning to their words. No, because it still makes too much sense. Because here's a problem. <laughs> you you have to define all of their words. You have to define everything that they're saying. Yeah. And and I can't, like when she says, well, like, when she's like, hey, what laws are, are peop- we putting on men's bodies that right. stop them from, yeah. we're not trying to legislate sperm. It's like, well, you do know that there's a difference between your ovary sperm yeah. and then an actual human being in, right. a, in the right. womb, yeah. right? No, yeah, I there's don't know. There's no. Yeah. No, no. I think the whole point of this is a power play. The whole point of this is a power play. They're using words to try to force things. Um, and that's the, I think that's the if bottom I, line. But if I take them seriously, then she doesn't know. Maybe it's true. Then they don't know what a woman is. They probably do need a biology lesson. Yeah. If, you know, if, she's, if I take her serious, if but, I take Cori Bush seriously yeah. about sperm and uterus and but I, but I can't get. But you're assuming that words have a fixed meaning and that the world is a fixed place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they are, are not. Too. And, and this is what insanity looks like. They, they, they it's don't, not fixed. They don't want a world where where the where the meaning is fixed. Yeah. They don't want a world where uh, where God has established things. Uh, you know, mean, you know, you know. Attorney General Merrick uh, Garland has not taken any action against those protesting outside the Supreme Court justice. Fifteen oh seven houses. Yeah. Right. That's that's it. Yeah. Title uh, from a uh, law from nineteen fifty. Title eighteen, section fifteen oh seven. Yep. You know this one. Um, of the U.S. Code enacted in 1950 said it's illegal with the intent of influence any judge to picket or parade or in or near a building, a residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer in or near any such building or residence. But could, you not, could you not protest the Supreme Court? Is that what that also means? I, I, Would that include the Supreme well, Court? I, I, I think there's probably there's probably some kind of general protesting that's allowed, but I think when it gets to, I mean, when they're, you're trying to threaten or intimidate and get in a certain outcome, that's apparently illegal. Mm. Washington Post is even carrying uh, opinions about that. Um, and and liberals are pro- they're saying, yeah, probably that's illegal what they're doing. But, no, but nobody's actually doing anything yeah. about it. Um, it it kind of reminded me of the BLM protests right after the George Floyd killing, yeah. um, where, you know, he, uh, you know, it's, we're all in lockdowns. Yep. It's illegal to be within six feet of anybody. Uh-huh. Yep. And then suddenly it's okay. Yep. Right, and it was, there were peaceful protests as the fire was right. burning the buildings down behind. Right, right, because er- everything has to do with um, wh- whose side you're on. Yeah, and this goes this goes to your point because I think it's it, the words mean whatever they want them to mean when they want them to mean it, and they yeah. can change anytime and, they and, want right. to change. And that's at good. the bottom of all this is a theological collision. That's that's what's really going on yeah. here is a okay. theological collision, and the collision goes all the way back to the temptation of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. You will be like a god. That's what we have going mm-hmm. on here. It's like it, it um the fundamental conservative conviction is that there's a God who made this place and none of us are him and that means there's an inherent structure to the world that must be submitted to truth, mm. morality, gravity, language that's you Knox, you're a conservative probably also <laughs> means you're a white nationalist uh, but that doesn't mean anything so okay <laughs> yeah. but the only other option is rebellion to that structure which is always an attempt to make the world into whatever you want it to be the radical liberal stance is that there's no inherent structure to the world. Everyone finds meaning and flourishing through making their own meaning or gender or pronouns mm. or language. I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> but the thing to keep your eye on is the fact that this is a thoroughly theological play. They're accusing evangelicals of being politicized in all this over and over again. In addition to being yeah. white nationalists, they're also saying we have a crisis of evangelicals getting radicalized because yep. white evangelicals. Yeah. And, and white. David French is arguing that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so they, um, they're accusing evangelicals of being politicized, but I would argue that they're the ones that um, are dragging alien religion into the public square. 
They're demanding to be worshipped as gods. They say that if you suppress people's urges, particularly their sexual ones, they'll become sad and violent. And if you tell them that what they're doing is wrong, you made them do bad things. It's your fault. You should feel bad. Right? You. you. Knox. I don't know what bad means. (laughs) I know. But the fact of the matter is that when you tell everyone that they are a god worthy of worship and you can become anything you want, you are unleashing Pandora's box of furies on the world. If everyone is a god, free to make and invent their own meaning in worlds, then everyone else is a threat to my deity and meaning and sovereignty. This really isn't the church becoming political so much as it is our public square being hijacked by the cult of humanism. Mm. But humanism only destroys humanity, but submission to the one God and his cross brings peace and healing and restores humanity. That's, I think that's what's going on here, though. You have you have these you have um, you have uh, competing religions, mm-hmm. and um, but they but they've complete they think that you know this is Darwin this is Freud, um, they're and they're saying basically the world is completely inchoate it's formless and void until we come and we impress our meaning upon it mm-hmm. and so we can define our pronouns we can define the meaning of our words we can make our own dictionaries we can make our own morality on water break I was talking with John Branion on Thursday. And apparently there's new um, terminology, gender terminology, called gender cake. Um, you, you're, you have layers of who you are. Yeah. And so someone who identifies as a gender cake, you know, I, I'm he, him, she, they, 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 she, furry, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, tree. And it's frog. just it's just madness yeah. in this conversation. <laughs> are you a gender cake? No. Yeah, what, what no, the, you chocolate. You were chocolate cake. Thanks, Dave. I, I appreciate this. <laughs> this past week, Senate failed to pass a bill that would have codified Roe v. Wade into F- he law. Mean, he meant failed. Just uh, for all you English not like it fell on the floor. Failed. <laughs> it man. failed on, on the floor. Failed. That's my that's my Texan in me. <laughs> this is an incredible admission. Don't miss this by the Democrats that Roe is not law. Right. Mm. They need to make and, one. And it's a condemnation to conservative <laughs> states who have been acting like Roe is law. Right. Yep. Like uh, like Russell Moore, I read an article by him today. Mm-hmm. You watch Joy Reid. Sometimes I read articles. I don't even oh. go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even go Russell Moore for I don't he, even do he that. He actually said Roe versus Wade is, is that's it's a law that's about to be overturned. And I was like, it's in Christianity today. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but note this. Conservative states, when Roe passed... Um, and, and those uh, didn't pass when Roe passed in 1973 uh, the, the conservative states <laughs> buckled uh, and they adopted it as law right sure and they and those weak knees cost the lives of 60 million babies it's think true. about that it's true that's heavy because those conservative states buckled right. the liberals almost got done in two weeks what the pro-lifers refused to get done in 50 years that's good and that's make Roe v. Wade illegal, right. not law. Right, right. Remember the good old days in the Bush administration. <laughs> when the That's Patriot hard. Act got passed. Exactly. So we when, s- when he had the House and the Senate. Remember this. This mm-hmm. is, I, was, I was old enough to, I was there. Yeah. I, was, I, Republican, was, I was alive. Republican, yep. Republican. House and the Senate. Yeah. We had a chance to end abortion at the federal level. Yeah. And the best we got out of Republicans was no child left behind. <laughs> this is why ACCS exists. <laughs> Republicans increased Department of Education by 60% between 2000 and 2003. Ouch. Funding the very system that is proactively discipling kids to be progressive pro-abortion Democrats. Right. This is why conservatives can't own anything nice. (laughs) We can't have nice things. We buckled under Roe. We couldn't get a law passed at the federal level for decades to end Roe. Yeah. And each conservative state at best passed a heartbeat legislation in all this. And then the Democrats sniffed the ending of Roe and within two weeks tried to pass legislation to enshrine child murder into law. How it many, took them two weeks. How many votes were they short? Like two, wasn't no, it? No, no, no. One or two? Um, so it didn't pass 50 to 40, uh, 49. 49 um, and because Manchin, Joe Manchin, right. um, went with the Republicans on this. They, needed they 60, actually right? needed 60. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, But still, 49 senators. Only like, but maybe like nine votes short or something yeah. like that yep. of, of that. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. And and uh, and he already, Schumer already said, like, I'm, we're going to work on this some more. We're, yeah. we're coming back for mm-hmm. more. I mean, it's it's true. I think it is it is really an interesting thing that, like, we, we say this, and it's, I think it's really sad and to our shame, but, like, mm-hmm. they believe in child sacrifice 
mm-hmm. more than we believe mm-hmm. in saving the lives of the unborn. I mean, right. Like they're like they're like nobody was like, but it won't work, Schumer. They got they got a whiff of a Supreme Court that might overturn yeah. it. Even, it's not right. even a final decision. Right. They got a whiff of it, and they're like, we're going to make a law, right? And yeah. conservatives can't yeah. even. And we don't care if it won't pass, yeah, because we're going to fight for it. I'm yeah. intrigued, David. You're over there shaking your head. I wonder what you're thinking. Uh oh! I'm just watching you guys have fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wait till the next segment. <laughs> We're coming we after really you. Really gonna have some fun because yeah. you're gonna fix for me. I really want to know how in the world. Um, your book right. is called "The Battle for the American Mind." We can't put together a sentence. I want to know how we got there. I want to know how we fix it. I want to know how we never do it again because <laughs> I think it's all connected. It's all in there. Okay, we're going to talk right. about it. Talk about how we the battle for American mind coming up next on Cross Politic. Now fix this for me. At least your sentences make sense in here. <laughs> this is where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! (laughs) Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. This segment is brought to you by that barber that did something awful to Knox's hair one time. Man, don't even get me started. It's wine ball right he, now. He said it set back race relations. How long? Yeah, at least a hundred years. No, for real. At least a hundred years. Yeah. Whenever you like run to another brother in the shop and he look at you, be like, ooh. <laughs> like he, they all knew though because we in Moscow, so we're nobody too surprised. <laughs> Speaking of bad haircuts, Boniface Woodworking exists for those who enjoy shopping with integrity. What does like, it have to do with bad haircuts? Yeah, I know. Just wait. Just wait. Okay. All right. Who, look at that picture. Uh, just picture it. Here we go. Uh, who went to buy? Who went to buy handmade wooden furniture, gifts, and heirloom items that will last for generations, from dining tables and church pulpits to cigar humidors? Wow. Everything in between. Quality pieces that you can give your children's children. I love that. Cigar Tie them humidor. to their roots and transcend the basic function of whatever they are becoming. So. Start voting with your dollars and stop buying cheap crap. <laughs> From people who, who wrote this. Who wrote this? Like, like cheap haircuts. The garrison. Yeah. yeah. Who hate you. Don't, don't buy stuff from people who hate you. Visit BonifaceWoodworking.com <laughs> to see our gallery, learn the story, and submit your order for heirloom quality wood items. There you go. If that was Gabe, he would have said heirlooms. But yeah, I know. Yeah, that, that's the connection. <laughs> that's the connection. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Heirlooms. That was the blade. The blade. Chuck Cotting. Uh, that, was the, that was the connection. Art, and art, yeah. artistry. Okay. And, okay. and uh, Keep chil- children. And I'm sorry. I watch too much Joy Reid. I can't make the connections. <laughs> so it's not your fault. With us on the show today, we're grateful to have Mr. David Goodwin, yes. president of the ACCS, which is the Association of Classical Christian schools. Mm-hmm. Look at you right. got it, Toby. There Thanks. we go. I just assumed Jesus was first over classical, so <laughs> Christian classical was what I was. <laughs> we need to go back to the grammar thing, you know, the way See? adjectives See? and yeah. nouns See? work together. Well, I'm just saying the noun should be first. Because <laughs> are you, are you with it, it really? really? <laughs> Mr. Goodwin was the headmaster of the Ambrose School, classical Christian school in Boise, Idaho, from 2003 to 2014. He saw the school through its growth from a small school to over 500 students. In the building of its permanent facility from 2010 to 2014, he served on the ACCS board Mm. as an elected member and helped develop the strategic plan for the ACCS. And he's been the full-time president of the ACCS since 2015. Prior to his work in classical Christian education, David uh, spent 13 years in marketing and new business development for a large computer products manufacturer. He holds an MBA and a BIS. Is that, did I get that? Or is it just, you did. Okay. From Boise State University. What's a BIS? Bachelor's in Interdisciplinary Studies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he and his wife. <laughs> Whoa! He and his wife Stormy work as a team on many ACCS projects and attend All Saints Presbyterian Church in Boise, Idaho. They have three kids who attend or are alumni of the Ambrose School. Actually, your right. oldest is your oldest who's graduating from New yep. St. Andrews College this weekend. Exactly. Yes, yeah. man! Congrats on that. And he's the co-author of the brand new book, "Battle for the American Mind: Uprooting a Century of Miseducation." But uh, also with Pete Hegseth. 
Did I get that right? You got it all right, man. Okay. You know more, more about me than I do. I, yeah. Somebody <laughs> does. Yeah, well, it's like, I yeah. graduated. I got a, <laughs> Where'd you get all that I got that a master's? <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that? <laughs> Who wrote that? I was a doctor? Uh, so, yeah. uh, so, David, um, I, I actually wanted to start with, so what's the connection with Pete? Um, Hegseth. So um, you you co- kind of authored this book. He's a Fox ed- and Friends guy. Yeah, education. But yeah. so who is he, and why are you writing this book together, and why why is that important? Well, it was an interesting story. So Pete was doing a uh, one of those town hall kind of things in North Carolina in a diner, okay. and uh, saw some cute kids in uniforms. Went over and talked to the gal, and she was uh, she said, "You ever heard of classical Christian education?" Okay. And he said, "Well, I maybe I've heard of it. I don't know. I mean." He said, she said, you got to talk to David Goodwin. So he uh, <laughs> gave me a call okay. and um, I take reporters calls occasionally. Usually they're trying to corner me. Um, like when on, we call. It, well, you guys are good guys. <laughs> <laughs> the corner's coming though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's funny. We have a, a document on, on our drive for the friendly and the unfriendly media contacts mm-hmm. that we have to deal with. And boy, the unfriendly one is pretty long. It's long. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so... Uh, he was asking questions, and it was pretty clear. I mean, Pete's, uh, you know, he kind of cut his teeth. He's got, you know, We the People ta- uh, tattooed on his arm. He kind of cut his yeah. teeth as a, as kind of a pro-American kind of guy. And I yeah. started to talk to him about the um, Christian paideia, which obviously is a kind mm-hmm. of a strange term, and uh, sent him a couple of chapters of a manuscript I'd worked on. Long story short, it, it basically says the real problem isn't a lack of patriotism, it's a lack of Christianity right. uh, in right. the country. And he was kind of taken aback by that. And that was in March of 2020, so it was really before the Whoa. Um, yeah. wow. pandemic hit. Yeah. And he said, we, you know, after we went back and forth about, I don't know, maybe two months, uh, he said, we've got to get this story out there. So he led the charge getting it turned into a documentary called the miseducation of america yes Um, okay it's a five-part documentary on fox nation and it's actually um i was quite pleased they allowed uh, um pete and i to have a lot of influence on exactly how it came out and Mm -hmm. i um it it really does the western christian paideia is the anchor point of the documentary series and it really paints a, a really i think good good uh, scenario for what happened in America to our education system and why we need to look to classical Christian education and Christ as uh, the logos. Um, to your point on reasoning, mm-hmm. you take the logos out of logos out of it, and you're uh, yes. Y- y- it's not long before you're in the ditch. So that that was the beginning of the project, and then once we got the documentary on the way, um, those are limited. You know, y- yeah. you have to do them fast. They're each thirty minutes. Um, we, uh, Pete thought, you know, this has got to be a book. Um, he tried to help me get it published, and we figured that it would be better as a joint book because he has a lot to contribute in the yeah. areas of uh, critical race theory and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, it's interesting when I was reading the book that, that Pete, like you said earlier, he had chalked up a lot of America's problems that we need to be more patriotic, we need to love our country more, that right. kind of thing. And in, in the book, it's almost like he spent the first chapter kind of repenting of the fir- last two books he wrote. He's really? like, I missed the yeah. mark. Mm-hmm. He said, I missed the mark on my assessment. And right. I encourage you guys to do the exact thing that you should have not been doing. Right. And that was sending your kids to public school. That's what got him fired up was that mm-hmm. he realized that um, it's a disordered love to be mm-hmm. patriotic before, you, um, before your Christian mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. So right. um, we, you know, there's a lot of interesting details in the book for example the bellamy salute yep. i don't know if any yep. of you guys yep. heard of that but uh it was a socialist <laughs> effort that later turned into the uh pledge of allegiance yep. but it was intended to replace the christian creeds in the schools wow. and it, they did that intentionally right. because christianity was not going to let them have their way mm-hmm. in the humanist so uh, Christian creeds, like catechisms, that's what it, yeah. stuff like, like yeah. that? So, I <laughs> pledge allegiance to the flag. Apostles' Creed, Creed, yeah. Apostles yeah. Creed mm-hmm. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So Exactly. So yeah. the Pledge of Allegiance was intentionally intended to, to su- subvert, supplant yep. mm-hmm. the exactly. Creed. Yes. And, and it literally, um, the kids yeah. would do this. Yeah. I was Please stop. Yeah. Please. please. <laughs> I was no, not. Can, can go that was a joke, but that wasn't. And but, but then 1940s, you know, yeah. 30s came rolling around, so they changed it. Yeah, <laughs> they, right. over the heart. Stop saluting like that. Yeah. It's too <laughs> obvious that the connection to Germany. Yeah, that we're yeah. socialists. Yeah. 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 So, you say it's a disordered love between putting patriotism first um, and then putting Christianity second or your religion second. How is it disordered? What, is it, what does it do? 
Well, what it what happened was that they realized that um, we use this analogy in the book of a pressure pressure plate. You know, it's kind of like uh, those. <laughs> Take your trope of just about any spy movie where somebody's trying to steal some precious artifact and it's got a pressure plate under it. And to steal it, they have to put something else on that plate in order to, uh, you know, make (laughs) make their getaway. Right. And so what they did, Christianity had been for a very long time the anchor point of all republics or, or democracies and governments really right because without the christian paideia or the the idea of transcendent truth the the whole system crumbles and so they knew that they wouldn't be able to get parents to just take christianity out of the schools so they slowly replaced it mm. actually not wow. slowly it was between 1914 and 1920 they replaced it on the pressure plate american patriotism Basically, you see the flags go up uh, around the schools. You think about it, it's kind of a strange thing, right? You go into any small town in America, the flag's flying over the post office and what else? The The school. school. But the school's not a federal institution. You know, that's interesting because for Fox, that's all that they preach. Yes. Right? That's what they preach, American patriotism like no other. Like all their symbolism is that, right? And so for them, this is what was so interesting because I watched all five parts in in the round tables afterwards. And I was like, oh boy. Like yeah. this is radical for a lot of people, and for it to, for this kind of narrative, and for Fox, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean yeah. to be on the same right. stage and for people to say, "Hey, we're for Fox to even allow for the reordering of that." That's a beautiful thing. That's yes. a beautiful thing. I got to hand it to Pete. I mean, Pete had a lot of influence on the documentary, and it, when he it took me, you know, six months of conversations. Now I don't want to. I get way too much credit, you know, in some ways here because I am repeating a story that all of you've known for a long time. It's a story that we live in in the classical Christian movement. It's all part of a narrative that we're pretty familiar with. But for him, he'd never heard this before. And when he saw the evidence, he just immediately said, we've got to tell this story because if Christianity is not viewed as the primary important thing that sustains this country, then we can't... You have no patriots. You can't out-patriot... Yep. Um, right. the loss of the of the essential thing. So what happened on the pressure plate is you replace it with the American paideia or the what, what's called the, in the book the progressive American paideia. Yep. And then you can morph that and take it anywhere you want, right? right. In Christianity, you got the Bible. you right. got the church. you got it's the traditions. Yeah. Right. You, you don't just change it uh, very easily anyway. And in, you know, the American paideia was easily malleable and it was fungible. So they moved it around until eventually... What we've seen in the last 20, 30 years is they've been able to completely replace that now much more easily with a cultural Marxist paideia. Uh-huh. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in the young, young people coming up through the system. And we're looking at them going, you must be crazy. Well, it's not crazy. It's evil. It's just that it's what wow. happens when right. you preach evil to young children. So what evidence you said when Pete saw the evidence... Uh, it changed his mind. What evidence did he see in classical Christian education that um, made him write this book with you, basically? Well, uh, so I had done a lot of research in the, a couple of progressive magazines where they revealed this. See, when you're first starting out in a movement, and we, got, we probably need to be careful with this in our movement, you don't think anybody's ever going to hear what you're saying be, you know, in your kind of closet. <laughs> we, uh, told, we told Gabe this all the time. You know, people are actually going to watch this. <laughs> yeah. so, so be careful. So these magazines, of course, at the early part of the 20th century, we're talking 1915, 1920, somewhere yeah. in there. In that time frame, these magazines were freely discussing how they were going to get Christianity out of the schools, how they were going to uh, take over what they called the plasticity uh-huh. of the child, uh, they, how they were going to get parents out of the picture. Um, churches all, out of the picture? Well, yeah, churches were already yeah. um, persona plasticity? non grata. Yeah. But they, it's mm. all laid out in there. And I'd, what I had done is um, somebody had, had uh, I I'd attended a lecture where the professor read this quote from the New Republic where they use that term the plasticity of the child and it essentially was in the context we cannot allow parents to continue influencing the plasticity of the child and i thought whatever that word means it doesn't sound good yeah. uh to to take that away from the parents <laughs> i don't know what you're saying but i don't like the tone <laughs> so i wanted to find the original source and i went to the library 
and I, I thought this was going to be a quick trip because I figured, you know, how many, the, the New Republic is well known as a political magazine. It's going to have a lot of stuff at that time, I guessed, in mm-hmm. labor unions, minimum wage, all the stuff that they were pressing in the early part of the 20th century. So I figured an educational article is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is just hit the index of a few of these and I'll find it. Right. Every issue had tons about education in it. And I'm going, what is this? And it took me a while to find it, but eventually I laid out all of these articles and you could just see what they were doing. It was all intentional. And I thought, there must be a scholar who has done work on this because there's just, this is way too much for a layman like myself to figure out. And I, (laughs) by the providence of God, on the way out of the library, the library closed at five, it was five o'clock. I'm headed for the door. There's a little tag sticking out from the side of an aisle that said education history and i went down that aisle and short short story or shortened story here's this series by this columbia professor called lawrence kremen that won a pulitzer prize in the late 70s and early 80s it's called the history of american education Mm. and he was the one who pulls it all together and states the thesis boldly that the 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 uh, aim of the progressives in this time period was to seize control of the American paideia so that they could direct the nation. Now, wow. remember, this is a professor at Columbia Teachers College, yep. so he's not exactly hostile to the system. He's right. just explaining what right. they were trying to do. Right. And I thought, this is like... The smoking gun. Right. <laughs> and he's got 2,000 pages of evidence if you want to read it. Wow. I'm glad you did. So, so remember, so paideia is just a word for like enculturation. Well, it goes all the way back to the Greeks. It does. It's what they meant by plasticity. Right. That's what I yes. figured out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. So, sort of the like the formation. Is that yeah. another way of talking yeah. about what they're talking about? The formation of a, of a human being, a formation of these people? Yeah, well, paideia is, I think, the most powerful theme in all of Western history. And I know that's a big concept to, mm-hmm. to say. Okay. But the power of the theme is that the Greeks in Athens, when they were you know in the high, height of the Golden Age, are looking around and they're going, wait a minute. Why is it that the, the Persians raise Persian children and the Egyptians raise Egyptians children, you know, Mm. all the various, why do they raise children? Just like you can take a kid out of one tribe and put them in the other tribe and they end up like that other tribe. There's nothing in their blood that's making them this way. It's about how, how they're influenced. And the Athenians said, well, if there's, if there's a way that we can self govern, it's going to require that we intentionally create a paideia that's capable of self governance Wow! because you can't, uh, you can't, you know, the, the view at the time, and it was probably a reality, was that an enslaved people or a servile people were not capable of self-government mm-hmm. because they'd easily be persuaded of anything. Tell me about it. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. All right. Makes and sense. So they said the only what we don't need is a paide that tells kids what to think. We need to raise children who can think logically and reasonably for themselves. Because that's the only way a tyrant won't be able to persuade them of an evil. 2020. And so that was the Athenian idea of classicism. Now, fast forward 300 years. They anchored that idea of logic in, of course, the logos. Mm -hmm. The the idea that there was a transcendent truth out there. There's an order to the universe. And the objective is when when you educate a child, train them to look for the ideal transcendent truth of truth, goodness, and beauty. Uh, train them to look and seek mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And along comes Jesus Christ. And John says, actually, the Logos is not just a concept. He's a man. Mm-hmm. It's a person. And yeah. so Athens and Jerusalem come together, famously. In By the end of the first century, you've got classical Christian educators like Justin Martyr, who are writing about this, saying these are a perfect fit. It mm-hmm. makes sense. Jesus Christ answers the unknown mystery of the classical mind and when those came together classical christian education was born and it did not get excised from the civilization that we know of some people call it western civilizations really everything that descends from athens and jerusalem mm-hmm. uh, hasn't been excised until the last hundred years and it, and wow seen, and seen, when paul when paul in ephesians 6 says fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the Nurture. I was thinking about that. Yeah, admonition yeah. of the Lord. The word there is paideia. Paideia. paideia bring them up mm-hmm. in the paideia of Jesus. Yes, the, the that's true logos. Exactly right. And we could unpack that because that that those first couple of uh, bits of Ephesians uh, six there 
have tons of references right. to what the Greco-Roman right. and Christian world right. was like at the time. Right. Have you seen that clip from Jordan Peterson where he's talking to Joe Rogan? And he's, yes. And he's talking about the fact that the every, yeah, mm-hmm. everything, you know, American culture and literature, you can't understand anything in American culture and literature apart from its center point. And all of it is going right back to the center point of scripture. Just as a literary art, it is what has developed Western culture. You can't get away from that. If that's true and what you're saying, then you have to get rid of not just Christianity, but you have to remove Western culture and literature completely from. Exactly. It's colonialization because, and racist. Because it's part of the paideia. It's what builds up. Right. It's, it's the direct connection to a covenantal historical hand-me-down. Right. right. It's just like, here's your heritage. Here's who you are. This is a story you're tied to. And everything is pulling its, its, uh, its anchor right back in scripture. Man, you got to get rid of not just scripture, but everything that scripture has produced yeah. and the beauty that's produced over time and space. So then you got to have a whole nother institution say, let's replace all this literature, new books. Yep. What's the new uh, way of teaching and educating? So everything's But that's flipped. what the, they are doing that. Yeah. That's why they're saying white nationalist, Christian supremacist, uh, colonialization, you know, it's, um, it's, Western civilization is racist. They want to colonize. It's, it's all that. But it's a new dictionary. It's, it's, it's right. Yeah. It's, it's make up your meaning as you go along. Yep. Make up your own pronouns. Make up your, your layered cake. Yeah. But there's something right. even scarier about it. Which is that if you take every civilization prior to the West, what you know, any one of them, just pick one, they're brutish and life is short. Yep. Right. Mm. I mean, that's we. It's like you know, I was returning not long ago on an airplane and thinking, you know, if I realize that I'm going 550 miles an hour, 35,000 feet above the air, this would be a pretty fearsome thing. I mean, I've been sealed in this thing for quite a few hours now, but that that's kind of that's where we are. In America is we don't realize that we're humming along in a plane that's about to break up because the the um, Western Christian paideia has been excised from it. And without it, there's no structural integrity. And the the free fall is unimaginable to the to the to the um, the modern the, the America, place the where America. we're back to tyrants leading. Well, it's, yeah, well, and it's and again, it's back wow. to the. It's a theological point. It's it's an offer. Like it's. Ba- I mean, the basic you know gospel of all of this is is chaos. Yes, and it's you are a god. Make yes. up your own meaning. Do as you please. But if everybody's a god, then there's everything's at war, and I can do whatever I want, and you're a threat to me, and so life is short and brutish and cruel mm-hmm. and sad. I just I just saw that airplane thing and I feel like I'm in a plane now and that hole in the hole <laughs> is blowing on my beard. I'm like, how do we get that hole fixed before we go down? We'll find out next with David Goodwin next on Cross Politics. He knows. He knows. He knows. It's in the book. Buy the book. Home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Is your beard still blowing? That's a scary thing in the plane to look down and see like, oh, look, those are mountains. That's not a good feeling. <laughs> Welcome back to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us. we got David Goodwin in the studio with us today. He's yes, president of the Association of Classical Christian Schools. He's telling us about basically how our country is blowing apart and, uh, and maybe how we can begin to putting it back together. This segment is brought to you by Idaho Family Policy Center. I want to let you know about the Idaho Family Policy Center uh, because it is currently the only explicitly Christian policy organization mm-hmm. in Idaho politics. Um, I serve on the board. The president is Blaine Kanzati, member of our sister CREC uh, congregation. You know Blaine. Meridian. You know Blaine. Yeah. Blaine and IFPC have been leading the efforts mm-hmm. to defund Planned Parenthood and abortion in Idaho and protect children from the transgender agenda. Basically, Blaine is a really strategic 
voice in Idaho politics, and he represents many of our biblical and constitutional concerns in Boise. IFPC is a brand new ministry and as such is in significant need of donations to help fund it. We all have many commitments to other good ministries, but if you're particularly concerned about Idaho politics, this is one way you can have a very direct impact on what's going on in Boise. Go to IdahoFamily.org, IdahoFamily.org to learn more and make a donation. So, um, David, you got us in a plane that's coming apart. Are there parachutes on this plane? Or <laughs> is there a... Is you, there know, a <laughs> you know, this is the provenance of this situation. Uh, Pete and I were talking just the other day. Uh, when we started this, as I said, in March of 2020, we weren't in the same place we are now. Right. Mm. Uh, parents weren't weren't looking out and seeing blue sky. Uh, they, <laughs> right. they, they were thinking everything's fine, everything's cruising along. And by the providence of God, this book hits right when uh, we're looking at children, young children, what, third, fourth, f- first grade, kindergarten. kindergarten. I mean, you were just talking about Idaho. Here in Idaho, you would think we wouldn't be having this stuff. But I saw a picture the other day, and uh, I think it was Action Idaho or something, of um, little kids sitting around a drag queen story hour thing in Boise. Yeah. I mean, it's like right, this yeah. is... This is everywhere, yep. and it, and parents are seeing it, and they don't know what to do. And so suddenly, you know, God's timing is what it is. I mean, we, we end right. up in a situation where um, it's not a hidden secret anymore that um, our culture is in big trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, that's this is part of it, is, is if if the world is completely malleable, if, 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 you know, they hate God ultimately, they hate his order, and so they're in rebellion against it, they, they're at war with it, um, then you have to, then freedom means making up whatever you want. And so, of course, you have to have drag queen story hour. How, how are you going to, how are you going to not, what are you doing over there? I'm ringing bells. I'm ringing trying to let everybody know it's time. <laughs> time to fight. Go ahead. The, uh, but it's, you have to let, you know, the boys turn into girls. You have to let girls turn into boys. You have to let the dude in the swimsuit win all the NCAA yeah. swim uh, lessons. You have, I mean, like, it's, you have to do that because, that that's the way to meaning and freedom and flourishing according to their worldview because it can't Insanity. it can't yeah. be mm-hmm. receiving the world as God made it. Mm-hmm. It can't be submitting to that because then that would mean you've got to deal with God and His Christ. Yeah, well, is there is there an irony in it? I mean, you're the theologian, but the the idea of Trini- the Trinity has long been a mystery, right? It's mm-hmm. been hard for us to understand, but at least we can go and say. You know, God is transcended. He's outside this universe. Now we're talking about making ourselves gods. Yeah. And talk about craziness. Right. You suddenly, to, to be God, you have to be able to make yourself anything you want to be. Exactly. That makes the Trinity look simple. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because right. when, when you make yourself God, you turn into yeah. Joy Reid yeah. saying crazy Right? Crazy talk. Well, I mean, if words don't mean anything, and you can't trust people with words, I'm not going to no, be able to. Uh, I, I think she wants her words to mean something, but I think it's. I think it's. Here's the thing: you words are the fundamental thing of, of the universe. You think right? she wants We're, her words to mean? In something. the beginning was the word. In the beginning yeah, was the yeah. word. I think you can't escape that. I think she's acting like a god, and she wants her words to create. Well, it, create. It, Where is that? Mm, Where's my stinger? Um, Where is it? That's what she wants. Yeah, I, I don't doubt she, that. She wants to speak by fiat. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and say, let there be. That's well, a whole trans movement, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> when I was growing up in Sunday school, and we'd read the Old Testament, I was always thinking, you know, if there's any challenge to my faith, this is it. Because these people are crazy. They're throwing their kids, you know, they're killing, murdering their own children. Right. They're, they're uh, right. you know, eating their own children yeah, in one place. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's like, this can't be real. Right. No one could be this evil. No one could be this right. bad. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. in just my lifetime, yeah. things have turned 180 on that. Yeah, I, and, you know, the, the thing is, the, Joy Reid, any, any they, they're going back to a time when all it takes is for this spirit of the age to speak out there and say anything crazy. Like, if we kill your children, we'll have a better harvest this year. Right. Uh, right. Yes. And... Yes, mm. crazy talk, the, and the world a bunch would, of people yeah. go kill their children. Yeah, right. Because because global warming, because climate change, because yeah. the environmental crisis. I mean, it's just they can say anything, right? And there's no standard of reason applied to it because that's the nature of tyranny. Right. So, uh, in your book, part three, you say solutions as big as the problem. 
boy, that's exciting. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, reason and virtue, two towers of freedom. And I'm like, yeah, well, we're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you listen to this is I know that I know that she's trying to create something. I know Joy Reid is trying to create something. But I'm saying there isn't a way to reason with these people at all. And people like this then don't have virtue. You can't reason with them. There isn't I don't trust these people. If a if you have a broke clock on the wall, it used to be back in the day that a broke clock could be right twice a day, right? <laughs> but I'm trying to say that what we have right now is that there's still something on the wall that doesn't have numbers or hands, <laughs> and these people are trying to tell you what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm saying that I don't. If you if a person starts to operate like that, and they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna build you a spaceship," I'm like, Haha, "My friend, you good? I'm on an airplane. I'm on to take you on a ride." I'm like, "No way!" You know. And so, how how could you kind of walk us through restoring reason and virtue in a society that has none at this point? Well, one of the one of the great things about it is that anything that's faithful to God and His order has far more power. Mm, than anything that the world can gin up. And you see it, and I don't, I'm not going to make the Greeks out to be Christians, obviously, but you see it in their culture, right? They found, they stumbled on this one little thing. Like if you educate in logic and reasoning and you train students, you're going to, you're going to have an influence on culture. So what happens to the Greeks? They lose the Romans. The Romans take over the world. And what do they speak? Greek. You know, because the Greek culture was powerful enough to steamroll right through to this present day. We we lean on Greek ideas every single day, even today. Yeah. And so I use that more as an analogy than a than a direct cause. I'm just saying that the hope is if we bring classical Christian education to the faithful few, we can take over because it's the power of truth. The, wow. the power of truth, goodness, and beauty yep. is that it is appealing to a level that can never be matched. I mean, we all know the Romans get nerdy, kind of nerdy on the Romans here, but... But you are the president of the association. I've had enough MSNBC. I need some nerdy Christian stuff. Going Bring on. it. So what does... What does Caesar Augustus do when he realizes that his whole empire is hanging on the Greek tradition and the Greek gods? He goes, this isn't good. So he finds the best poet he can find, Virgil. Right. And he says, write me an epic greater than the Odyssey and the Iliad. And Virgil very nearly did. I mean, there's a lot of people who argue one way or the other, but that is how powerful a culture can be. You know, of course, the Virgil's Aeneid is is uh, one of the great classics we read in our in our mm-hmm. books, by res- or in our schools, by restoring a commitment to being faithful to the little things. Just these, let's read these books, let's pray, let's give God the glory for everything that happens, and let's continue to live as we ought. And I think God is going to be faithful to that. And what we wrote this book, the reason Pete got excited about this was, look, we don't have to have half of the country. Mm. It's not a 51% game. Yeah. It's, mm. a, it's a 2 3% game. If my it's people who are game. called by my name will yep. humble themselves and pray, they yep. will hear from heaven and heal their land. Yep. Mm. So that's the hope is that, um, you know, we're, we're calling, I, I, some people call me an educator. I, I really think I'm really fundamentally just more of a Christian who sees education as one of the tools that the church needs right now. Yeah. And you guys certainly deal with a lot of the other tools. But well, the, well, the edu- I mean, but this is in the Great Commission. I mean, the Great Commission yeah. from <laughs> Jesus is, you know, make disciples. Disciple. You yeah. baptize them and you teach them everything right. I've commanded. So teaching is is absolutely essential to the work of the church in Christianity. Yeah. So teacher, um, <laughs> what are some some ways to because it sounds like just from listening to you all i thought about i felt a harsh rebuke that the way that you get things like msnbc and and other things that are showing abortion in american in the culture is that you have a sect of group of people that are not virtuous that have not been operating in a particular type of way and so could you kind of like give some what are some areas that you say if i want to teach some basic forms of virtue to get you guys to latch on to this where would that be at Hum a few more bars. You mean in terms of our schools? I'm just talking about that because you got people who are homeschooling. Yeah. So they're probably not going to go to a classical Christian school right. and they're still trying to bring these um, 
these truths to their family and to their to their culture at home. That they what are some on. of like the key components yeah, what, of a yeah. classical Christian okay, education? Yeah. So in the book, we talk about the four battlements. And so uh, if you've ever, you know, just re- read a rudimentary medieval castle story where, th- you know, you t- you're tearing down the walls. So usually there's four battlements, one on each corner, right? right? And so the first one's reason. And we talk about that in the book, how reason is, is collapsed. We've talked about that a bit here. The, the second three, uh, this is where Pete really, it's like, the further we went, the more down the rabbit hole he went and the more yeah. he realized this is powerful stuff. So the second one is virtue. So this is, I think to your question, uh, Knox, the virtue is something that is uh, far less taught than it is caught. Mm-hmm. It's the environment you put kids in. And, you know, I was mentioning, uh, my, <clears throat> my daughter before we came on, yeah. she's up here at new St. Andrews and it's one of the few colleges where your kid comes back, even though she went to a classical Christian school her whole life, you know, yeah. been in a Christian family comes back better than I sent her. Wow. That's, that's just, a testimony. Wow. Right there. That's a testimony <laughs> I mean, right there. I wasn't even paid for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. In wow. fact, I paid a lot to for it. It's <laughs> <laughs> the other way. It was worth it though. Good investment. It worth it. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. But the, 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 uh, the culture, the community that you're in, the envelop, the just enveloping young children in a liturgy of virtue mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they're, praising God in the morning, they're praising God in the afternoon. Everything is is ordered in such a way that they're looking towards, um, you know, we don't break our subjects in classical Christian schools up and then have a Bible class. The whole thing is Christian from yep. its root right. to its the top of the tree. Yeah, And without going into detail, that's sort of the virtue side of things, the community, the building that. Then the, the, the last two of the battlements, and these were the ones that really... Um, set Pete a little bit uh, back initially. The first is wonder. We've killed wonder in education because what we do is we take kids into classrooms and we program them. We just stuff information into their heads and that is treating them like an inhuman machine. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not asking them a question and seeing if they can, uh, if they can come to the right answer. Now there were those in educational history who wanted to let kids go wherever they wanted to go. Of course not. You have to guide them to the right answer, but you have to make them want to know the right answer. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is to train them to wonder, train them to think about what, you know, what, how shall I live? How now shall I live? It struck me before that when we banned creation from schools, yep. What we were fundamentally banning was gratitude, which is the heart yeah, of wonder. Right. Yeah. That's what right. I mean. Because right. like yeah. if you have no one to thank, mm-hmm. then everything's an accident, yep. and there's nothing to wonder at. There's nothing to explore. There's nothing to, to celebrate. Well, and if there's nothing transcendent, right. I mean, I think the secularists would say that science is the place for wonder in a right. school. But all science does is dissect things. Right. It never reassembles them. Right. I mean, it really can't be right. a source of wonder. It's just a source of deconstruction and right. taking mm. things apart. And mm. there's a place for that, but it's not the way we should raise children. So that's the third battle. And then the fourth? The fourth is beauty. And that one, anybody who's read Francis Schaeffer, of course, yeah. I would commend it to, to anyone. Um, beauty's been long dead. We don't believe it's a thing. Everybody thinks beauty is in the eye of the beholder, which means it's not a thing, right? If right. if there's right. subjective and versions of it, yeah. then there's not none. Right. Uh, I always ask the question of students who want to argue with me on that. Okay, so if you see something you think is beautiful and God disagrees with you, who's right? <laughs> right. right. Because either uh, God doesn't have an opinion, <laughs> which means he gave his creature something he doesn't have, right. an impossibility, right. or... God's wrong. <laughs> so beauty's not in the eye of the beholder. It's in the eye of God. And pursuing beauty is something that was lost. So we do a lot of that in classical schools, in the study of great art, in the study of great music, in uh, you know, working to understand what transcendent beauty really is. Yeah, that has to be really super good. hard because I was thinking about that as a culture. You listen to music, it's because it's all based on my subjective understanding of what I think beautiful is. And so we don't have any sort of... So the mind is built around this subjective understanding. I mean, just naturally in the culture. So getting someone to see an objective standard for beauty, they'll they'll almost go, oh, I can see objective standard for truth. But then beauty is like, that's all... Everybody gets to make their own decision on that. How do you... you Bring that in and start saying, this is objectively beautiful. Well, one of the things Pete said uh, is, 
he said, you know, before I met you, I thought it was all about college. I thought that's where the indoctrination was happening. And he realized, and we came to it together through this, that K-12 is really where the beginning of understanding and appreciating beauty. If you take a kindergartner, first grader, second grader, um, I, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you, you're, you're, uh, you're in K-12 education. You probably favor the upper grades, you know, because that's where it's fun to teach theology and heavy stuff mm-hmm. that kids can learn. Mm-hmm. But it's really in my passion for those, you know, K through six, really, because that's where you cultivate beauty. Huh. If they spend their time around beauty they're not yet cynical they're not yet they're not yet looking to tear things apart or hate things or disagree with things they get that later in junior high (laughs) (laughs) they just you put them around a lot of beauty you have them paint and and uh, play music and you just you you stick to the greats and it rubs off so my kids go to a a CCS accredited school, Logos here yep. in town. All of our kids, and all, all of our kids there. Yep, um, that's right. That's you know, yeah, you're seniors. <laughs> and <laughs> thanks. Glad thanks. we got this together, guys. Um, <laughs> Thought you knew each other. Okay, yeah, and uh, I, I'm sorry. I just get one tracked mind about myself. <laughs> we, we know. We know. <laughs> you didn't have to agree with that. Come on, no. And, but but like the, my kids, they're um, uh, in uh, third. No, they're in. Um, uh, sixth, fourth, and second right now. Okay, and they're kind of in that that K through six, mm-hmm. and it's amazing what Logos does to them and their desire to to want to engage with creation, particularly um, uh, all the Logos. Um, they teach my kids uh, like the Northwest birds, right? And then they bring in uh, all the sounds that the birds make, and they'll they'll teach this bird makes this sound. So my kids are outside being yeah. like, oh, that's a black chick, kick, chickadee or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's this bird and they can hear it. And, they, and so not only do they like teach them just kind of like, you know, facts about it, but they're teaching them how to recognize it through sound. And yeah. and it's it's just, it's really cool. Well, to, there's, there's actually a, a, a hidden element to that. I, you mm-hmm. probably, this is the behind the scenes stuff. But a lot of people would say, why would you spend that much time on birds? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of animals in creation. Mm-hmm. But the point is not to teach kids, again, stuff their minds full of everything mm-hmm. they could right. possibly know about every kind of animal out there. It's mm-hmm. to say, let's take one part of God's creation and let's get so into it. Mm-hmm. As a young child, you get so into the birds, yep. their sounds, their plumage, their everything about the birds. You draw the birds, you yeah. study the birds. What you're doing is you're studying the creator. Mm-hmm. You're studying right. a mm. piece of the, you know, the, the creation that he's made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead of making it all about controlling it and owning it and saying, oh, if I just, you know, I can genetically engineer something better or do whatever science is going to do with yeah. it. You just appreciate it yeah. Yeah. and you love it. And that's where the kids develop right. a love of beauty. I was, gonna, and, I was saying that. That's what I was trying to say. And sometimes we, we, we refer to the classical model as um, the tools of learning. Right? This right. Is, goes back to an essay by Dorothy Sayers and so mm-hmm. on. But that's part of what was going on there is you're practicing in one area of creation to how to wonder, how mm-hmm. to how to enjoy, yes. how to praise God for it. But what you're doing then is you're teaching them how to learn. Yes, because now you now you look and you say, That's right. well, there's also you know bugs, snakes, and, and there's and snakes, that. and there's grass, and mm-hmm. there's you know f- trees, and there's all these other things in in creation. I can enjoy it just like I learned how to enjoy yes. the the birds. And there's a grammar, and names, and so on, and there's a logic, and there's a rhetoric mm-hmm. to all these things. That makes sense. Well, well, and, and what's funny about all this is like it created such a love for my oldest um, for birds and ducks and geese. We have a we have a pond at our house. One summer. My, my daughter kept catching baby birds, <laughs> and unfortunately, they all died. And we had to we had to put a rule in our house. It was like like, honey, you 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 can't catch any more baby birds anymore um, yeah, because yeah. It, it's just not working out. Yeah. And then one summer, I said um, she when she was younger, she must have been like um, eight. My, this is my oldest. She must have been like seven or something. And we have this pond around our house. Every spring, uh, geese yeah, come, come and they lay they lay their eggs and all that stuff. And she would go out there for hours with a, a milk crate or whatever one of those you know milk crates and try to catch a goose. And she just go around the pond for like three hours, <laughs> trying to catch this goose. So, so Gabe, this is why we don't st- study snakes. Yeah, well, I got I got more stories about snakes too. You just hold on, and and I said, hey, if you catch a goose, I'll let you keep it. Okay. So because Uh-oh. she was just so intent, I was Uh-oh. like, I was just trying to encourage her to have some fun. 
and and then she caught a full feathered baby goose, um, a gosling, um, but it was, it was you know it was decent size, and she brought it up to the house. She comes running inside, Dad, I got a gosling, and and Annie's like, What did you just promise? <laughs> That you would let our daughter do. Right. And fortunately, the gosling got out and had run back by that time sure and everything. So, sure yeah, sure. so, no, it did. It did. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife was like, you going to let her keep a goose? Right. But anyways, mm -hmm. that, it, that but that all came from the love of Logos. Yeah. It, was, it, was, right. it was crazy. Wonder and the, beauty of uh -huh. God's creation. Yep. Yep. Loving what God's made. Loving what yep. God's made. Again, back to back to basics. When you, when you recognize that God has made a world. It, it frees you yeah. to enjoy it, yeah. to glorify him, and then to build and, and to create in yeah. that world. Otherwise, you are trying to make the world over. That's right. And you, and you descend into chaos. You descend yeah. into this animosity and enmity and cacophony. And you sound stupid. <laughs> I was trying to say it a little bit more just, nicely. Sometimes people just need to wake up. Okay. Battle for the American mind, uprooting a century of miseducation. Is it out yet or when does it come out? Yeah, June 14th. June 14th. Okay. All right. All right. June 14th. Order it now and it'll ship when it gets there. Pre-order it. Pre-order Pre it. Pre it. Yeah, audible version. David, thanks for being Thank on the you, show. Brother. appreciate oh, it. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks, mm. guys. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. So, where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.